I thank y'all very much, and I wanted to, just a couple things before I get started this morning. First of all, welcome, and thank you for being here this morning. We're, we're glad you're here to worship with us. Um, I really appreciate the acoustic set today, and appreciate Robbie, and a lot of y'all know the reason we found out about Robbie is uh, he's had a, a band for a long time called House of Thomas, and I want to put a little plug in for him next, I believe it's next Saturday, um, at another church, um, where is it there, uh, oh, Providence, right there, okay, right at the front, Providence, they're going to be doing a concert, so a lot of y'all that know and love them, certainly you can see what's going on there at Providence, not far from here, so I just want to put in a little plug for that. And the other thing I want to put a plug in for is we are very blessed here um, for years, we've had an internship program, and we, uh, every summer, um, have uh, young people that do ministry with us, and it's a win-win. We get folks to help us, especially in our kids' ministry, uh, Southwest Kids and our Southwest Student Ministry. And we had two great interns um, this summer. Sydney Farmer, uh, was uh, she's already gone back to school. She's at University of Georgia this year, but she did a great job with our children's ministry. And Emma Wilson has been serving with our uh, Southwest students and our middle school and high school uh, all summer, so we appreciate that. And this is... Emma's last Sunday, I didn't realize that I thought she was not going to be here today, so I messed up on that. Where is Emma? Emma, raise your hand. Stand up for us, Emma. We want to just thank her. Yeah, thank her. Uh-huh. And we're clapping for you too, Sydney, if you're watching at Georgia, okay? So uh, we really do appreciate those. And the good thing is, is that um, uh, Emma just recently graduated from Georgia Tech, and uh, she's going to continue to help us out, serving with us a little bit longer in that internship, because as a lot of y'all know, Alex is getting ready to have uh, a new addition to her and Scott's family, and uh, so we're going to need some help in that area, so Emma's going to stick around and help, and so we're, we're glad of that. So just want to let y'all know those things as we get started this morning. Um, I read an article recently, um, and I'm trying to pronounce the lady's name right. Her name is Maria Popova, I believe, and she wrote an article about um, a guy named Alan Lightman. Um, Alan Lightman uh, wrote a book, has written several books. Um, one of his books is called The Accidental Universe, and Alan Lightman is actually professor at MIT, which for those of y'all who don't know what that stands for, I didn't for years, is Massachusetts Institute of Technology. And he is known for specializing in uh, the intersection between science, philosophy, religion, and spirit, spirituality. And he writes um, in this article in which this lady had interviewed him about this transcendent experience that he had in his life. I know a lot of y'all know who Aaron Rodgers is, right? He just explained one of those transcendent experiences he had in his life recently. And I was like, what? But anyway, this guy, kind of the same kind of thing, and he's explaining this. But listen to what he says, very interesting. He said, it was a, a moonless night and quiet. The only sound I could hear was the soft churning of the engine of my boat. Far from the distracting, distracting lights of the mainland, the sky vibrated with stars. I turned off my running lights, and it got even darker. Then I turned off my engine. I lay down in the boat and looked up. A very dark night sky seen from the ocean, is a mystical experience. After a few minutes, my world had dissolved into that star-littered sky. The boat disappeared, my body disappeared, and I found myself falling into infinity. A feeling came over me I'd not experienced before, and the vast expanse of time extending from the far distant past long before I was born and then into the far distant future long after I will die seemed compressed 
to a dot. I felt connected not only to the stars, but to all of nature and to the entire cosmos. I felt emerging with something far larger than myself, a grand and eternal unity, a hint of something absolute. And then he says, it's almost as if nature in her glory wants us to believe in a heaven, something divine and immaterial beyond nature itself. In other words, nature tempts us to believe in the supernatural. But then again, nature also given us, has given us big brains, allowing us to build microscopes and telescopes, and ultimately for some of us to conclude that it's all just atoms and molecules. It's a paradox. So I don't know if you could follow any of that. <laughs> but he obviously had this experience. But what I found interesting about that is how does someone who is so blessed intellectually with the mind that he has to understand physics and all those kind of things from MIT, find it so hard to acknowledge a supernatural creator. Why is that so hard? Why does he see that giving nature credit as creator, that's rational. But giving the divine being God created credit as creature, as creator, that's some kind of, as he says, a paradox or some kind of inconsistency in life. And so we seem to live in this world where more and more people who see belief in God as the creator, the supernatural creator, as if you believe that, there's some kind of amputation of your brain if you really believe that. So what about you this morning? Do you believe it's just nature and it all just happened? The universe just happened by accident? But looking at creation looking at nature by seeing the wonder of birth does that lead you to doubt that there has to be some kind of a supernatural creator or does that lead you to believe there has to be a supernatural creator does seeing or experiencing something in life that we can't explain does that lead you to doubt there is a divine creator or does it cry out that there has to be a divine creator now, I don't know if you've ever had an experience like Alan Lightman did out on the ocean um, looking up at the sky full of stars. I, I don't know if y'all you ever been camping where you see stars and, you know, you're not around the, the you know, unnatural lights of the city or whatever. And all of a sudden you're like, holy cow, look at those stars. It's an amazing thing that I know he experienced, especially um, on the ocean in, in, in his boats. But when I see stuff like that, when I, whether it's, uh, you know, every year when I go to the beach, I just stand there with my feet in the ocean, you know, the, you know, how you walk out the very first time you finally get out of the car and get to go stand in the ocean, and you're just like, holy cow, this is unbelievable, how much water, how much sand, how big this is, where does this go? I don't ever go away going, yeah, this just happened. I just want to go, how can you say there's no God? That's what I want to say. I just go, there has to be a creator. This is so much bigger than any of us. And we're all enjoying it. And we also, there's a creator that not only made this, but made it for me and made it for all these people who are enjoying it. That's what I kind of walk away with. And for, to me, I believe I would be in awe. And, and, and same thing with mountains or waterfalls and things like that. I just go, this is incredible. A human couldn't have just done this, as creative and as unique as we are. We, we create a lot of neat things, but this has got to be bigger than human beings. The ocean, the mountains, the awe, the beauty, and the wonder of, of the whole thing, like he mentioned the stars. As I 
look at the stars and go, how do they just hang there? Last night, did y'all see the moon? It's like, what? So how does it just hang there? That's not just an accident. It's too complex. So I think about those things. How were they made? Why were they made? But I always seem to come back in my mind, who made all that? It has to be a who. A creator, a, a powerful, su- supernatural creator that's bigger, more powerful, more knowledgeable than any of us as humans that had to have created this. But some people would say, yeah, but Craig, you were brought up in the church to believe that. Yeah, you're right. You've been taught that from the very beginning, so that's why you believe that. I was. But if no one taught me about what it said in the Bible, if no one ever taught me about a supernatural being, after seeing and experiencing the ocean and the mountains and different things in life, I still have to believe that I would at least have that as an option, that there has to be something beyond us that made this. People that have not read the Bible, people that have not had a religious um, upbringing have asked those same questions, like there's got to be somebody bigger than all of this. Someone had to create it create this and after seeing the creations of our fellow humans in life at least I would have thought if we can create this who created all this other stuff like when I walk in this building when you walk in this building do you think it just happened by accident no you think well there was a construction company that built this building I I remember when it was being built I was fascinated through every phase of it because like wow I had no idea this much stuff went into building a building But none of it happened by accident. Somebody created every part of this. And so why is it different when we think about the world? And the reality is throughout time and history, all humans who have experienced life have asked these questions. Everybody's laid down at night and stared at a ceiling or in the early days stared at the stars in the sky and said, why are we here? Who made us? Who made all this? What is our purpose? How should we live? Is there some sort of a moral absolute truth that comes from this creator who made all this that I should live my life by? And when it all ends for me or for anybody else, then what? Is there something beyond this life? We all think about those things, don't we? And those questions. Well, the Apostle Paul in his letter to the Romans in the first century was writing to folks in a Roman culture. They were the world power at the time. They had taken over pretty much most of the world and everybody feared Rome and they were um, doing a lot of amazing things as far as how they built roads and, and, and construction and all these kind of things. They were the elite of the elite. And a lot of those folks were skeptical about a creator and a God. And so in that, later, uh, in that letter, Paul is writing to those who have become Christians, and he's trying to encourage them. And he writes this from Romans chapter 1. He says this, For since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, His eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood from what has been made, so that people are without excuse. Now think about that for a minute. He's saying... Even if you didn't grow up like me, Paul, steeped in Judaism, steeped in God as the creator and God a part of every part of life, you've seen from God's creation his invisible qualities, that there has to be an eternal power. He has to have a divine nature. 
You should just know that from seeing the creation. Then he goes on to say this in verse 21. For although they knew God, they neither glorified him as God nor gave thanks to him. But in their thinking, they be, but their thinking became futile and their foolish hearts were darkened. So Paul is making it clear that people are without excuse when it comes to seeing God's invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature. If we had lived on earth, those things have been clearly seen through what we've seen in life and nature. Everybody's seen it and understood in nature from what has been made. Creation is all around us. It points to a creator. The beauty, the wonder, the creativity, and the nature and character of that creator. And you see, I think what Paul is saying here too is that He's not just a creator, and he's going to get to this in just a minute. We're going to look at another letter he wrote to another group of Jesus followers. But Paul's saying he didn't just create this world and then just walk off as this hands-off God. He is a personal God. He didn't just make it and walk away. He made it for our enjoyment. And are all those in questions important? Where did we come from? How should we live? Where are we going? Why are we here? I mean, yeah, those are, are important questions that we might have sometimes when we slow down enough to maybe take a moment like the professor had and look at creation and nature and try to answer those questions. You go, well, we can't possibly answer those with any certainty, but I believe that we can. I believe that we can answer those with certainty. And I would propose that we can find rational answers to those questions and in finding those answers in the Bible we are pointed to and introduced to the supernatural creator who in the beginning was God and in the beginning created. How does Genesis 1-1 start? In the beginning God created. God created. He is a creator. He's been creating since the very beginning. And so in another one of Paul's letters he talks about how our minds can be blinded by things. Do you all believe that we can be blinded by things? We believe a certain way. We've been raised a certain way. We've heard all these things, but all of a sudden, now someone introduces something different to me, and that conflicts with what I've known my whole life, and how do I deal with that? And sometimes we can be blinded, and sometimes we don't want the truth to be the truth, do we? Because it requires that I make changes. Not that the standard changes or the truth changes, but that I have to change. And so I don't want to change, so I'm going to believe an alternate view of the truth. So Paul says this, writing to another group of first century people in Corinth, which uh, I've talked about before. Corinth was a, a very pagan place. Lots of different temples and lots of different um, things were going on in those temples. And in those temples it was all about pleasure and getting pleasure. They turned it into a worship. So Paul's talking to this group of Christians in his second letter to them, and he says, The God, um, little g, of this age has blinded the minds of unbelievers so that they cannot see the light of the gospel that displays the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. For what we preach is not ourselves, but Jesus Christ as Lord, and ourselves as your servants for Jesus' sake. For God who said, let light, let light shine out of darkness, made his light shine in our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of God's glory displayed in the face of Christ. 
So we are created beings with complex, amazing systems that go on inside of our bodies that work and functions that are all controlled by this amazing computer called the brain, right? Now, you cannot see my brain, at least I hope not. <laughs> you cannot see my brain. I can't see your brain, but I'm pretty sure all of us have one. And it is functioning by the fact that you're even here this morning, right? And you can't see my heart today, but you know I have one. I can't see your heart, but I know you have one. Because again, the fact that you're here proves that it's pumping blood and it got you here and you're alive this morning, right? Now, how do we know that? Because people have done study on dead people and they know there really is this thing called a brain and there really is this thing called a heart, along with all these complex systems that we have in this thing called a body that somebody created. Now, if you ever have to go to a doctor about a serious breakdown in one of your systems, you get an education, don't you? Like, how works? Oh, well, the reason that's happening because of this, and you're like, holy cow, I didn't know all that. You ever had your appendix out? And people go, what, is that, what does that even do? If it does anything, then why is it, can you take it away and it's okay? You ever thought, you know, we've already thought about that. But it's a complex system that we have in our body that had to be created. So who designed that brain? Who designed that heart, that system? Did it just happen? It's too complex. Paul was saying to a group of Jesus followers in Corinth, again in this second letter to them, that the God of this age has blinded the minds of some. They've become Christian, but Paul's trying to encourage them to stay on track. People around you are blinded to the truth. They don't want that to be true that there's a supernatural God that created you and has a purpose for you. Because if you don't believe that, then guess what? You can do whatever you want. But it has consequences. It has consequences. Do you believe, do I believe that our mind can be blinded by something? I do. It can happen. Most of us have had moments or maybe even long periods in our life where we believe something or we allowed something to blind our minds. And sometimes it can go on for years because of a, a situation, a relationship, or something that we've experienced has gone on in our lives and it's blinded us. And somebody goes, yeah, but what about, and you, you won't hear it. You've been blinded in your mind. But somehow something, something or someone changed the way you thought about something. And it was almost like all of a sudden, you know, the whole light bulb thing. All of a sudden you could see clear and you never thought about it like that. And it changed your perspective and lie. And some of us today, right now, are not able to move forward, are not able to experience and enjoy some things in life because our mind is blinded to some things. We will never think about this person a different way. We will never think about this concept a different way. And we only see it this one way. So what is that maybe for you or me today that our mind is, is, is possibly blinded to? And it may not necessarily be the whole whether God is real or He created. It could be something completely different. You could be a Christian today. You could be a Jesus follower today, but your mind could still be blinded about something else, couldn't it? That we haven't maybe turned over to God and allowed Him to shed light on it for us. So Paul was saying in our text that some folks can't, in their minds, see the light of the gospel. The gospel was the good news about Jesus. And if they can't see the light of the gospel, they miss the glory of Jesus because he is the image of God. And again, if you take Jesus out of the picture for a minute, you say, just based on, if there never was a Jesus, if you had to try to say there has to be a creator, 
Did it just happen or is there a creator? If Jesus never came, I would still think there has to be a creator. But you throw Jesus who came to earth as a human being and did all that he did and said all that he did, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and he resurrected from the dead, that's a big variable in the equation, isn't it? It's foundational variable in the equation. You know when you go for an eye exam and they do the thing, the... the ophthalmologist or optometrist does that thing where he or she takes the light and goes, all right, I want you to follow the light without turning your head. You know what I'm talking about? You know, you say, do your eyes like, you know, follow the light around. And you, you know, you, and you follow it. You know, we kind of know that. But if during that test, you said these words, what light? If you said that, like, uh, you got way bigger problems than the new prescription. You can't see. You're blind. You can't see the light. You can't follow What you don't see, right? And the whole thing is true. Paul is saying Jesus was God in a human body. You can't really see and experience God without seeing and experiencing Jesus. And so Paul went on from there to say that he was preaching and others who were called to preach. This is not ourselves. We're not talking about ourselves as Lord like the culture is. That we can be gods ourselves. That we can become one with nature. There is a God. We are not called to be about ourselves. He says, we don't preach that. We preach Jesus as Lord. And this was very counterculture to this culture that was in Corinth. It was all about themselves. There were many who lived as if they were the Lord, as many do today. And Paul said, those who follow Jesus are your servants for Jesus' sake. This is not about them and everything about them. It's they are servants. And again, this is a very counterculture Uh, concept for those people, which is for Jesus' own good. It's for Jesus' sake. That's what he's called us to do, to be his servants. And Jesus not only taught that, we know that Jesus said that. He says, I did not come to be served, but I came to serve and to be what? A ransom for many. Jesus had a purpose and he calls us to that servant purpose. So again, this concept of servanthood instead of self-promotion, and it's all about me, was counter to many in that Corinthian culture. And I think about how it's very counterculture today because it's all about the social media. It's all about the bat flip. You know? It's all about, look at what I just did. And we can appreciate and laugh at some of that, but sometimes when it's all about me, there's something that Paul's talking about in these letters that we don't acknowledge there's a creator. So Paul continued in his letter, this same God is the creator who spoke light out of darkness. He said, let there be light, and what was there? There was light, wasn't there? He spoke that, and he says, it was made. It was made to, to shine, and he said, not only physical light, when he spoke it into being, it was. He said, he also made his light shine in our hearts to give us the light of knowledge of God's glory in the face of Christ. That means God came to earth in the form of a human being. When we see and experience Jesus, we see and experience God is what he was saying. And so Paul continues in this and he talks about, um, you know, this is something you, you can't see God physically, but we've seen Jesus and what he's done. And he wants us to understand who he is, that he has a character, that it is a personal character. He didn't, again, just create the world and walk off and say, we'll see what happens here in this big experiment. No, he came to earth. It was always part of the plan and he became a ransom for many. 
And we needed that ransom, didn't we? We needed him to pay that ransom that we couldn't pay on our own. So for the next few weeks, I'm going to be sharing characters from the Bible who had a blinded mind and how through their experiences that we can read about in God's Word, we see that God did something in their life to change that blinded mind. Paul himself, you remember, he was blinded to, he thought, religion and legalism and following all the rules was really became his God. And he was blinded to that, to the fact that he was going around persecuting Christians to the point of even having some of them killed. And so, ironically, Paul, Saul at the time, was struck down by a light, and he was blinded. And as he's not being able to see, and he's hearing a voice, he goes, Who are you, Lord? And he says, I am Jesus, whom you were persecuting. And all of a sudden, Paul is transformed supernaturally, and his, he had to go blind to have his mind unblinded, so to speak. But he was never, ever the same again. So in the next few weeks, we're going to talk about God giving different people in the Bible, getting away from this blinded mind to a clear mind. And hopefully through this series, we can maybe even start to see the glory of God, the character of God. It's not only the creator that's distance, but a creator and a savior that is personal in our lives. Well, I, I talked about this um, professor from, from MIT today and, and his philosophy and how he had this experience. So I'm going to go the other end of the spectrum, and I'm going to read you a story from an eight-year-old. His name was Danny Dutton, and several years ago, and he was from California, and somebody asked him to write his thoughts about God. So we've heard what the MIT guy says about creation and God, but let's listen to what eight-year-old Danny said about God. He wrote this, One of God's main jobs is making people. He makes them to take care of things here on earth. He doesn't make grown-ups just babies. I think that's because they're smaller and easier to make. That way he doesn't have to take up his valuable time teaching them to talk and walk. He can just leave that up to mothers and fathers. God's second most important job is listening to prayers. An awful lot goes a lot an awful lot of this goes on. Some people like preachers and things pray other times than just before bedtime. God doesn't have time to listen to the radio or TV on account of this. Jesus is God's son. He used to do all the hard work like walking on water and doing miracles and trying to teach people about God who really didn't want to learn. They finally got tired of him preaching to them and they crucified him. But he was good and kind like his father and he told his father that they, they really didn't know what they were doing and to forgive them. And God said, okay. And his dad appreciated everything he had done and all his hard work on earth, so he told him he didn't have to go out on the road anymore. He could stay in heaven, so he did. You should always go to Sunday school because it makes God happy. And if there's anyone you want to make happy, it's God. Don't skip Sunday school to do something you think would be more fun, like going to the beach. This is wrong. And besides, the sun doesn't come out on the beach until noon anyway. If you don't believe in God besides being an atheist, you also will be very lonely because your parents can't go everywhere with you like to camp, but God can. It's good to know that he's around when you're scared of the dark or when you can't swim very good and you get thrown into the really deep water by big kids. But you shouldn't just always think of what God can do for you. I figure God put me here and he can take me back anytime he pleases. And that's what I believe about God. That's pretty good for an eight-year-old, isn't it? 
Now, we got the MIT guy, and you got this eight-year-old Danny. Two different concepts, but man, I think I'm probably going to go with Danny. Danny doesn't understand everything, does he? But he knows the foundational, that you know what? I was created by a God for a purpose. And I know that God loves me and I respect him. And he can take me back anytime he wants. But he had a reverent fear and an awe and a love for God that I didn't see in that professor. So where are you today? Do you have a reverent fear and a love for a personal God or is he kind of distant from you? But you know, the deal is, y'all, he wants to be personal, doesn't he? He wants to be personal in our lives. But only we can sometimes break down that blinded mind that we have to really listen to who God is and that he revealed himself in his character in the person of Jesus Christ. And he didn't just do all those good things and teach all that good stuff and work all those good miracles. He ultimately, as Danny said, he went to the cross and died for us and then didn't hold it against us. Father, they really don't understand that their mind is blinded, but open it up to them. And so Jesus did that, and we can have him as our Lord and Savior. The creator of the universe wants to know us personally and wants to live in us personally. So today we're going to offer that invitation. If there's somebody here today that's maybe struggling with that, you've thought about these questions. Where do I come from? Who made all this? Why am I here? How do I live? Where do I go when I die? In Jesus Christ, the person of Christ, he answers all of those questions. He has an answer for all of those things. So if you have a decision today, we're going to offer that opportunity. Or if you're looking for a church home, we're not a perfect church. We don't have it all figured out. But we do believe that there is a creator that has it all figured out and has a plan and who ransomed us through his son, Jesus Christ, to reconcile us. We're going to read about that in just a minute um, from another one of Paul's letters about we are reconciled to God because of what Jesus did. God wanted to reconcile us, wanted us back in relationship with him. And during this time, while we're going to sing this next song, the, uh, the praise team's going to lead us in, uh, we're going to go into a time of communion. If you're here for the first time, well, we're glad you're here, but we take communion every week to remind us how much Jesus really did love us, how much God wanted to reconcile us, and we take communion. And so if you haven't gotten that, you can sneak out during the song and grab one of those. But if you're not a member, that's okay. If you're a believer, we um, invite you to be a part of that with us today and hope that you will. But we're going to sing this song and prepare our hearts for communion. But if you do have a, a decision this morning uh, to name Jesus as your Lord and Savior or to maybe join us as a church family, we're going to ask that you come at this time while we play some. So I'm going to ask you all to stand and let's just worship as we worship our crucified and risen Savior.